leading a startup team, whether you're delivering a sugar rush, stocking coffee, or getting a regular delivery of snacks, Office Depot has solutions that fit every startup culture, from getting those first business cards and stationery to ordering fleece pullovers with your new logo. To learn how Office Depot and the California Technology Council have partnered to bring you savings on all of these startup essentials and more, go to californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. About 380,000 infants in the United States, about 1 in 10, are born prematurely each year. So-called preterm births, defined as any birth before 37 weeks of pregnancy, is the leading cause of death for infants and puts these babies at greater risk for cerebral palsy, respiratory and cardiovascular complications, and delays in development. Sarah Prognostics has developed a predictive diagnostic that can identify pregnant women at risk of delivering prematurely, allowing for interventions. We spoke to Greg Critchfield, CEO of Sarah Prognostics, about the test, how it works, and what it takes to get doctors to adopt the test and payers to reimburse for it. Greg, thanks for joining us. Uh, it's great to be online with you, Daniel. We're going to talk about seroprognostics, your blood test to determine whether a woman is at risk of preterm birth or other complications from pregnancy, and what it takes to get adoption and, and reimbursement for a predictive diagnostic such as this. Let's start with premature births, though. How common is this, and what are the consequences for the baby? So premature birth is a huge uh, problem globally. Uh, in the world, there are 15 million infants that are born too early. And early is defined as before 37 weeks of gestation. Normal pregnancy is 40 weeks of gestation. Infants born too soon time to fully develop before they, before they, before birth. And therefore, they need to be supported. And, and the support is, is intensive. The, the societal, uh, the economic and, and personal costs are so high. In the U.S., uh, there are there are approximately uh, <clears throat> the, the, the infants born in the U.S. the women are, are born too early. Uh, worldwide, the, the the rate varies uh, from from uh, about one in twenty uh, to as to as much as one in six. And, and so, if you look at this, it is an enormous cost in the U.S. and more than twenty six billion dollars annually taking care of complications of preterm birth. And, and many of the complications that occur could be lifetime. The consequences are things like learning disabilities, cerebral palsy, chronic respiratory conditions, um, intellectual impairment, seizures, vision difficulties, and hearing loss. And these things, these things plague uh, the the individuals that affect them. These infants, as they as they mature into their life, they they have these problems, and their families, and of course society also bears the cost. So, who is the preterm test? intended for? Is there a way to know if you're at risk or not? 
Yeah, uh, the, the the preterm test was actually uh, is actually generated to address the huge need that we have to have better tools to predict earlier in pregnancy who is at risk. And what we did as a company, we spent our time focusing on on, on providing early, accurate, and individualized risk to patients. We conducted a very large study. It was singleton pregnancies. Remember, if a woman is carrying more than one infant during her pregnancy, she's already high risk. Everything is being done for her that can be done to help keep those babies in utero so they can they can mature full, more fully. Uh, so we focused on singleton pregnancies where we have the greatest need. For example, a first-time mother, uh, the, the best predictor of, of risk for, for a woman having a preterm baby is that she had one previously. But in, in, in approximately 40% of births, which is in, uh, the, the, the number, the fraction of, it, of women that have, have are pregnant for the first time, you can't ask them if you had a prior pregnancy. So there was a big gap there, and we focused on, on providing an early, accurate, individualized prediction for, 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 for all women, uh, including that subset that needed the most. The test is not looking at genetics, but actually proteomics. You're looking for certain protein bar markers that indicate a high, heightened risk for premature birth. What exactly are you looking for? Yeah, this, it's a great question. Uh, let, let me just step back and, and tell you why proteins are so interesting. Uh, proteins, as you know, uh, encompass the information that is dictated to them by the genetic program. So there is there is genetics built into it. Uh, in addition, the expression of proteins, the levels of proteins that you see, uh, are a function of, of the genetic component that's programmed in an individual and the response to environmental uh, conditions. So, so in some ways, the proteins are closer to the action. Proteins carry out all the functions of life itself. And so by looking at proteins, we're able to, to do a functional assessment of the state of, of pregnancy. And, and we're able to do it very early. Our test is available in the middle of pregnancy at weeks 19 and 20. That's, that's midway through pregnancy. We're making a prediction about an event that will occur in most cases months later. So, so what we're doing is giving the doctor and patient time to take steps early on uh, that, that can help to keep the, they're designed to help keep the baby in utero longer so that, so that it is born at a healthier state of development. The proteins themselves were, were part of a, a massive effort uh, where we scanned hundreds of proteins looking for patterns and asked the question, uh, when in pregnancy do we see the most predictability with protein biomarkers. And what we found is, is that, as I said before, during weeks 19 and 20, we found a set of proteins when, when, when ratioed together in a mathematical formula can, can actually help us to predict the probability that that individual will, will end up having a preterm baby. But, and, and these proteins are hooked in, and they're, they're key information nodes in protein networks. As you know, proteins communicate information among cells the things, the, the, the metabolites that are produced in the proteins themselves uh, are, are in constant communication in, in the, in the, at, a, at a very uh, a very cellular uh, and even subcellular uh, compartment uh, level. And, and by doing this, by, by probing these, we were able to find a very specific set of proteins. We discovered them in one set of, of specimens. We verified them in a, in a independent set. And then we locked down the predictor and validated it in, in, a, in a study that was published 
in the American Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology in May. We're very proud of the work. Our scientists did a, did a very rigorous job. And, and this blood test now stands as the only commercially available uh, blood test, blood-based risk test for preterm birth early in pregnancy uh, as a result. The, the study that we did enrolled 5,501 patients in 11 centers across the U.S. So the, the centers included uh, Massachusetts, uh, Delaware, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Ohio, Arizona, California, Oregon, and Utah. We, we, we made sure that we had an entire representation of the demographics of the U.S. We also uh, slightly overrepresented minorities where patients have higher, high, where patients are known to have higher preterm rates because we wanted to have the maximum public health impact with the development of a predictor that could, that could tell us who's at risk early in pregnancy. Well, walk me through the, the process of a test going from the blood draw to, to the results. How, how does it work? You bet. In, in many ways, it mimics what we did in the validation study. It's very close to it. Uh, the blood is, the patient appears uh, with the doctor. They order the test. The blood is drawn uh, from, from the patient. It is, it is, it is spun down in a centrifuge. The, the liquid portion is, is taken off and frozen and then shipped into our laboratory. We have a laboratory that's operating un, under, under the, uh, under CMS guidelines, uh, CLIA guidelines here in, in, in Salt Lake City, Utah. That's where the assessments come. We take about a week to perform the analysis. The, the analysis is done by mass spectrometry. And, and mass spectrometry is an exquisite technology that's gotten better and better uh, over the last decade. Uh, we are able to measure measure a protein, uh, components of protein, at much, much smaller concentrations than was previously possible. We can do it reliably. That was the basis of how we did our scientific discovery, verification, and validation work. And that is the basis of, of the test that is, being, that is being offered commercially right now. The, the, the report is, is generated by looking at the, at the protein. There's a score that, that is, that there's a score that occurs, uh, when, when you look at the, at the combination of these two proteins. And, and that score is, is translated directly into a, a probability of the event preterm birth. There's a chance that the baby would be born before 37 weeks. The, the report goes back to the doctor. There are two numbers that are given to, to the physician. Uh, the, the, the first number is that, that probability or the chance, the percentage risk that the woman would have the baby too soon. And, and, and then the second number is, in fact, the, the, the relative risk compared to the, the risk in the population. Before the test is done, you don't know what the patient's individual risk. The best estimate we have is what is the population risk of having, uh, of this, of this woman having a spontaneous preterm birth. And, and, and in the U.S., that number is slightly under under 10 percent. Uh, we we can actually compare that risk to the to the risk after the test is taken, where we have clarifying information provided by looking at the protein, uh, and they tell, it tells us the, what the woman's risk is uh, as a, on the on the basis of what her protein score ends up being. Point about the about the proteins that I think is of, is of note. So these these proteins, as I said, are key information nodes. They are involved in placental nutrition, uh, in, 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 in growth of the fetus. 
Uh, they are involved in, 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 in catching inflammatory signals when there is infection, uh, and there are downstream signals uh, with regard to the steroids that help control what happens uh, in pregnancy, uh, the, the steroids, estrogen, and progesterone. Uh, the, the two, uh, the, the names of the proteins are insulin, uh, insulin growth factor binding protein for IBP4 and, uh, and sex hormone binding globulin, which, which for shorthand we say shebang, but sex hormone binding globulin. These are the two key proteins that are, that are linked into the network of information that are, that are at play in, in the development of a fetus in pregnancy. So there's, there's real compelling biology. These are important proteins, and we we were able to generate empirical data that predictions based on these proteins are very good at separating uh, cases, women who deliver too soon, from normal-term delivery. Well, once a doctor or a patient has this information, are there things they can do to minimize the risk of having a preterm birth? That's a great question. And, and, and let me, before I answer it, what I will say is that the, the first study that we did was a study to assess the, the validity and accuracy of the prediction itself, and we passed that hurdle. Uh, that, that's the first study that we did. It was a, it, it was, it was a, a study done under extreme rigor. Uh, we used design control, which is a methodology uh, to, to, to build medical devices, uh, and we, we had, we had a 100% review of every piece of data that went into validation study, uh, everything was done rigorously, and the validation was actually done externally uh, by, uh, by uh, ones that had the blind. They broke the blind and gave us back the results, so it was externally validated. It wasn't done internally by the company. Now, we, now the question that you asked, what can you do? We are in the process now of designing studies to look at the benefits in terms of clinical outcomes. What can we do to improve the health of these babies? And what, what are the pr projections for the attendant cost savings that can occur? And as you can well imagine, that's what, that's what insurance companies want to see. It comes back to your, your opening question to me, Dan. You, 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 the, the insurers, many insurers would like to know, uh, if I, if we do this, if we do this test and we intervene, what could be done? And the interventions actually do exist. Before our test was available, there were two major predictors of risk for a woman delivering too early. One of them I mentioned already, and that was the woman with a, a, a prior preterm birth history, a previous delivery where an infant was born before 37 weeks. Her risk in the current pregnancy of having a preterm birth again is about is about 30 percent. There are a set of interventions recommended by professional societies that that, that are followed in those patients. But the problem is, uh, if you look at all preterm births in singleton pregnancies, what fraction of those uh, occur in women in, 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 in women that have a prior preterm birth history? It's about six percent. So so the detection rate is really quite low looking at across all preterm births. I mean, as I said before, it, it does no good at all to ask that question to a woman who's never been pregnant before. The other, the other biomarker that was used was actually a short cervical length. And, and short cervix, again, account for almost the same percentage of, of preterm births, single to preterm births, single, single fetus being carried in the mother. Uh, and, and with that, uh, the combined probability, the detection probability is about 
Uh, what we do is we give, and we are able to assess in all women, uh, women that, that haven't had a prior preterm birth history, women that don't have a short cervix, we can, we can get the great majority of those with our tests. And then, and what, what is done now is the same interventions that have traditionally been reserved for the two major risk factors can now become available to a greater number of women. We are designing studies right now where we will go into integrated delivery networks that have a, a, a strong insurance, uh, insurance, uh, connection. And we will, we will show that in these groups where, where women are, where, where the, the insurance company is at risk for managing the health, we will show that the, the, with interventions that are already used in high-risk patients, that applying them to a greater number of women uh, will will benefit uh, will benefit these women. That's the that's the kind of study that we're doing right now. We'll demonstrate the magnitude of those benefits, and we believe that those those studies will become instrumental in ultimately getting to the point of of adoption by by insurance companies. Well, what has the conversation with payers been like, and uh, what do you think it'll take to get reimbursement? Yeah, a great great question. Um, the the uh, the, the conversations have actually been ongoing from the beginning. We designed the test uh, with with the needs of, of payers in mind from the very beginning. We've talked to more than 65 uh, Medicaid uh, Medicaid insurers and Medicaid plans about our test moving forward, uh, and 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 the, the the interest has been very high. They asked the same question that you did: if we have this information. What difference will it make? And, and that is why, of course, we're, we're, we're designing these studies. These studies are not enormous in terms of size. Uh, and and, and, and the, the one beautiful thing about pregnancy is that the results are known. By 37 weeks, we know whether a woman has delivered too early or not, uh, 37 weeks of, of, of conception. So we're, we're, in a good, we're in a good spot to be able to generate data quickly our estimate is that the studies will take about a year. Our hope is to have launched two of these studies uh, by the end of this year, and, and then uh, as early as late late 2017, the readout from the from the studies will occur. We will be looking at, at, at measurements of neonatal health. This is the most important thing to look at: is the population uh, is the population healthier as a result of using this technology, uh, and with with an improvement in health, of course, there's a direct uh, a direct improvement in, in, in cost. The ba babies that are born at a healthier state of development do not generate as much cost because they don't spend as much time in the NICU and then in the neonatal ICU uh, units, and, and and the costs are correspondingly less. So, the insurance companies have been very interested. We've had we've had payers contact us and said, we now know that you have finished the work that you told us about, and some of them have not even spoken to us before, they've been asking us to consider doing studies in their plan to demonstrate the value of what we're doing. And, and that's the work that we're really focusing on over the next year. We talked about payers, but how about doctors? How much of a challenge is it getting them to become aware of this test and to adapt it? Yeah, a great question. Uh, as you know, uh, physicians, when a new technology comes out, uh, the victim that I used, that I heard when I was in the school was, don't be the first to adopt a new technology and don't be the last. And, and there, there, there are, there are rational reasons why people feel that way. Uh, 
Uh, our, our goal with physicians is to get them to understand that, in fact, uh, there are things that they can do and they would do them differently. Uh, and, and I think an anecdote is probably the best way to illustrate this with you. I, uh, we had, we had a meeting of key opinion leaders. These are, these are strong physicians that are leaders in the field. Uh, we'd invite them to, to talk about our test. This is before it was developed. And, 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 and we, uh, I gave them a hypothetical case. A woman has a score of 40%. Her, her chance, she has four chances out of 10 that this pregnancy will end up, uh, being a free, a, 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 a premature uh, birth. And in that in that situation, I asked the question, "What would you do?" There was a there was a, a, quite a bit of of discussion between groups. There was one group that said, "I would do everything I could. I'd throw the kitchen sink at this case. I would I would even give progesterone." Now, progesterone right now is reserved only. It's it's FDA approved only uh, for uh, for women who have a prior preterm birth history, uh, and, and and the professional societies. Also allow for giving vaginal progesterone. Uh, the, the, the form for, for preterm birth history is actually an injectable form, and vaginal progesterone is is is, is supported by uh, professional society recommendations. Uh, and, and what they said is we would give progesterone to, to these to these women. The other group said, oh no, there's no study that shows that you can actually do this. Well, uh, so, so there's a, there's quite an argument. I, I, I went over after, after the discussion was over, I sat down with one of the people who was very vocal about this. And I said, now, the story I gave you, let, let me give you uh, some, uh, another piece of information. That patient, the hypothetical patient is actually your daughter. Uh, would you give progesterone? This person looked over his shoulder and said, uh, uh, yeah, I would. I would actually give her progesterone if she were my daughter. And I said, well, that tells me how you're thinking about it. Some physicians will want you to do that. It is incumbent on us to quickly conduct these outcome studies where we show the benefit of, of, of you know, aggressive intervention coming in early with progesterone and show that it works. Right now, for, uh, the, according to the ACOG recommendation, a woman with a prior preterm birth history, her chance in this pregnancy of having a preterm birth is 30%. And yet, as ACOG recommends giving the drug, to the other 70% who, who will, who will not end up having preterm birth. Progesterone has, has been shown to be safe. It's part of recommendations. What we're, what we're doing now is working with, with, with key, uh, key individuals in these integrative plans that to, to actually demonstrate there is value in intervening more aggressively earlier. And that, and that, those are the kinds of studies that are going to be done. Is there a, a pipeline of other diagnostics behind this? Yeah, you can imagine there would be. We, we, um, mass spectrometry is an ideal, uh, discovery mechanism because you can do multiple measurements simultaneously. Measure even hundreds of proteins simultaneously. We have data, uh, that, that, that we are developing now for other predictions that can be made of conditions of pregnancy. Um, preeclampsia, as you know, a leading cause of maternal mortality, uh, worldwide. Uh, we're looking at uh, we're, we're looking at, at growth restriction. Uh, we're looking at uh, what what does what does progesterone do uh, to the proteome that could be predictive of response. We're looking at things like this. There are a variety of things that, that can be uh, looked at. Stillbirth, uh, all sorts of all sorts of, of conditions can be probed using using systems biology approaches like we've done to figure out 
uh, how can we better predict these? And then ultimately, what will be the specific management uh, management strategies that can be developed so we better understand the biology? We're, re we're very excited about it. We're working with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, uh, to, uh, who, are, who are investors in CIRA, to, to help make our technology available to low-resource countries uh, so that women all over the world can benefit. Uh, as I said, uh, 15 million preterm births a year worldwide with a million deaths. This is a big problem globally. It's not just in the U.S. And by the way, it's not just low-income countries that have the problem. It's low- and high-income countries. So we, we, we're, we're very excited. We feel that the biology and the science have developed now to a point where we can begin understanding, making better predictions, and ultimately get to the point where better outcomes can be demonstrated. And that's, that's clearly the strategy of our company. Uh, we're fortunate to have good investors that understand that, and that's where we're moving. Greg Critchfield, Chairman and CEO of Sarah Prognostics. Greg, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you, Danny. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send an email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.